We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. Sees a hole burst to it. 20. Right steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still to see. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. And we are here the day after the Rams pull off a 17-16. I want to call it a miracle. I think you kind of have to. Win over the Raiders on Thursday Night Football, led by Baker Mayfield. The 98-yard touchdown drive with less than two minutes to go in the game and no timeouts. Did I just say that, Mike? That's what you said. I said that. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. So, as you can imagine, we have a ton of things to talk about. Maybe. Yes. Yes, we do. (laughs) Well, you you said it earlier, it, or you know, it's just kind of being speechless right now. Well, by the way, did you manage to stay up for the whole game? I absolutely did. And so, I have to ask you, as you're watching that drive, when they go out there and they're on the two yard line to start that drive, what percentage of a chance did you give the Rams of pulling that one off? I gave them maybe. Two. 20% just the fact that it was, you know, you're going, you got to go 98 yards, you know, and I'm like, okay, but just, uh, so yeah, we'll get in, I'm sure a lot of the details of it, but yeah, 20% chance at that time. 
that's an Elway Montana kind of drive. Yes, it was. And I'm not. I'm not. Don't think uh, someone's gonna quote me. Are you saying Baker Mayfield's like Montana? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that's what it reminded me of. Those are the drives that those guys pulled off. Brady has pulled off drives like that. Manning pulled off drives like that. But I mean, coming off one going against the Raiders' pass rush, which was nasty. That's a nasty yeah. pass rush they have. Two, with I mean, the fact that you have a roster right now full of third and four stringers across the board yeah. by the ball. Your best back is fumbling away in the first half. Yeah. And here you are, the last two minutes of this game, winning. I'm I'm speechless. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. Now, the the thing that for me, uh, DC, is the fact that does Baker have the ability? Yes, we've seen it in college. We saw it even with the Rams in their dismal state. I mean the Browns. I mean the Browns. Uh, so it's not like he doesn't have the ability, but when you go, well, when did that guy get here? Like five minutes ago, that to me is what makes it maybe more, uh, outstanding than a Denver in Montana, you know, I mean, Denver and Elway and Montana and in the Niner type of thing, because they had their guys that they practice and play with and had been with for years. You know, Dan Moran was the same thing, especially when they had the, the Marx brothers, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper. But you're talking about a guy who literally gets off the plane, gets to the facility, you know, for a day or whatever. They're not even practicing really. Hey, we go run a few plays. What you do, sit down. That to me is a different level. You know, because I'm like, you know, every offense has their play call sheet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. I'm like, okay, how is this dude even calling the plays? Well, you know, I mean, and again, if you have not uh, followed Jordan Rodrigue over at The Athletic, she's fantastic. She is the best in the business, at least for covering the Rams. And she was able to get a quote from, um, from Rob Havis, I'm basically saying they brought the, I'm paraphrasing, bring, they brought the play in, they gave, they gave Baker the play and says, okay, F it. And they go out there and they do what they did. And so I, that, yeah, you're right. I mean, just put everything together. The, the fact you're playing with third and fourth stringers like everywhere across the offensive side, the fact that you got off the plane like two days before, right. basically through 40 plays in practice or 40 passes, or 50 passes in practice, and he's out there. And, I mean, quite frankly, just the fact that they had lost six in a row. This Raiders team came in pretty hot. Like they'd won right. three in a row. They, I, I think they are becoming a very good football team. And there are a few of co- of coach, sorry, of course, coaching mistakes. I think that were made on the Raiders side. Oh, no that, doubt. That Mayfield kind of called out. He couldn't believe they were impressed, man, with 15 seconds left. Neither could I. You could, I. Right. Um, but you know, we've seen the Rams make those kind of mistakes. <laughs> so, I, I, yes, we have. it's called being human. I think the Raiders are actually a, a, a growing team, which I think next year, especially, they're going to be a threat. They're going to be dangerous next year. So, 
let's get into it. First things first, let's get you in touch with our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so Steven and Johnny really kind of broke down the game last night. We'll do a couple quick things that I don't think get enough notice because if you talk to anybody, a few of these little experts on, on uh, Twitter or wherever you are, they'll tell you the Raiders dominated this game. I didn't really see them as dominating this game. They had a pretty good first half. The defense kept it close. And if you look at the numbers overall, I mean that that's the number. I think the Rams – made some plays here and there to move the ball, and they shot themselves on the foot. But I, I didn't see it as a domination. Did you? Well, I, I'd say I would agree domination in the point of when you come out of halftime going into the fourth quarter, it's like, yeah, this game is over. It could have been more dominating. One of the mistakes is I don't know what's wrong with Derek Carr. You have probably the best receiver on your team. You play with him in college, and you don't throw him the ball. Hey, if you don't want to do that, gives us a chance to win. But if he just kept throwing it to uh, Devontae Adams, it, it, it might have been a 20, 30 point uh, spanking that they would have given us. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So that's what I, I think it could be dominance. But then down the stretch, it was just mishap after mishap after mishap, which. You go, okay, are you guys not trying to win? What are you doing? Well, I mean, this is what I mean by not dominating. This game could have been and should have been at least 23 at halftime. It should have been. The Rams kept a 13-3 and yes. really didn't bend the rest of the game. It right. could have, should have been. The Rams kept it close. Um, there was a point in the game where the Raiders had, I think, 16-4. to on first down. So check out these numbers, how they went. And and the idea was it was the last four minutes game the Rams played well. No, the Rams played well in the fourth quarter period. They really did. And that has that team has not been there all year. They've been horrible in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. At the, but the last two games, see, even though they lost that comeback 
from Seattle late. They played Seattle down the wire without, again, Aaron Donald anchoring that line. So right. here you go. First downs, Raiders 17, Rams 20. Raiders 17, Rams 20. Total yards, 302 for the Raiders, 282 for the Rams. Defensive struggle, gotcha. Rams run, ran for 71 yards on 22 carries. Raiders ran for 165 on 38 carries. Very good game for them running the football for the Rams. I think that number is a little deceptive, that 71 yards, because they, at least they were committing to it. No no one's expecting them to run for 150 yards behind that offensive line. It's, it's awful. But they showed more commitment to it than we've seen in probably, what, half the year? For sure. I mean, they did. They just didn't, I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of plays. They had no. 61 plays. They had more than the Raiders did, but they they didn't really have much going on to the outside. You're relying on these guys around the middle, and, they, and I think they did a, a standard job. You really needed just to get, you know, three, you've heard it, three three yards in a cloud of dust, and that could yeah, win. Yeah. Uh, that's what they did. So they didn't do much through the air until the fourth quarter. Overall, Baker Mayfield 22 of 35 for net yards passing 211. They were sacked four times, and the Raiders, the Raiders pass rush just annihilated them throughout the game. That offensive line was just getting destroyed. And it was getting destroyed on Rob Havenstein, by the way. Oh, big Rob. I don't, I, Man, you he know. had a rough day. Rough. Rough day. Um, three punts for each guy, each team. Seven penalties for 60 yards to the Rams, seven for 94 for the Raiders. There was an article out today from Pro Football Talk talking about how the blown calls late in the game uh, really gave the Rams the win here. And, and, and I looked at it right away, and, of course, it's Mike Florio, who, <laughs> I mean, the guy just, for some reason, just, man, he's wrong a lot. I, I want to say this, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I, I, I thought the officiating last night was absolutely horrid across the board. Horrible. Yeah, it's just I don't know, man. It's just something going on, and I I think it's more of instant replay now over time. To me, has become counterproductive because it's almost like, oh, what the heck? You don't need to call. You know, don't need to get in position. You know, instant replay can bell us out, or you know, gives a team throw the challenge flag. So. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It just seems like these guys aren't taking, I know they're taking their job seriously. It just doesn't seem like it. Well, I mean, I think you bring a point up. The fact that you can rely on instant replay, I think would actually take away from the alertness of the officials. Like I'm not saying they're doing anything to be malicious. Right. I think right. that, and, but the worst part about it, the, the stuff that's getting where you're seeing the most missed calls are on calls where they can't be reviewed. <laughs> right. You know, uh, for example, it was a face mask that was not called last night. And and for some reason, the TV guys, Kerr Herb Street and Al Michaels, are saying, oh, well, that's a good no call. Dude, his head jerked back as he went <laughs> around. That's right. at least a five-yarder. I mean, he right. didn't, I, don't, I didn't see he's a 15-yarder, but it's a five-yarder in first down. Um, there was a... Um, there was a pass interference that was clear pass interference, not called. The one that was actually the one, you know, to me, the one that was called late in the game against the Raiders. That really wasn't pass interference to me. That ball wasn't catchable. There was one earlier in the game 
No call. Yeah, but though, 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 it wasn't, though it wasn't catchable, the idea that you're grabbing a guy and holding him for five yards, you I know, agree. that's that's where it kind of comes in. But that's the 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 ineptness of the rule. Just because it's uncatchable, should it be a no call or is it just a call? You know, like they may call defensive holding, right? Right. You know, but you didn't have to call pass interference. But in the right. one that's I'm talking about, that was down the sideline. I want to say it was to Atwell, and there was, I mean, the the defender turned his head back a little bit at the last second, but he didn't turn for the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, and at that point, he'd been grabbed, he'd been shoved. Uh, the, he had actually grabbed onto his jersey again. At least should have been defensive holder. They didn't call it. And so here you have Mike Florio writing this article last night, this, you know, about this holding call on having seen that wasn't called. Dude, you guys miss calls all game and it hurt the Rams more than it hurt the Raiders. Are you serious? This is back to that Saints game argument where, you know, it was pass interference. Yeah, it was pass interference. You know what? Your guy nearly ripped Jerry Goff's head off about five plays earlier and they didn't call that. Well, you know, it's interesting. That's what goes to human nature, right? Mm-hmm. Just like we're saying, man. Rob was having a long night. It's almost like the official is like, dude, I could literally call holding on you every time, but come on, man. Move your feet. Do something different. So it's almost like human nature is like, okay, man, I'm not going to call this guy again, you know, on maybe something like that. But again, the reason why I say the, the, the replay seems to, one, make the officiating look a little bit worse than maybe it is, is because you got instant replay. You got all these thousands of angles when in a normal bang bang situation, you you don't see, oh yeah, that's a grab. Ooh, he got his feet in. Oh no, he really didn't. Instant replay. So that's why I think it it's it's not that it's making officials less well, you use the word alert, uh but it just seems like it's kind of like, well, we can kind of get bailed out with this instant replay. Yeah, I just, I just don't tend to go back to it as a sole thing. I, I just think, I've been, I've been saying for twenty years. I can go back to the two thousand one Rams season when they went to the Super Bowl that year, and I remember back then going, "The officiating is horrible." And it's not just because you know, like, I, I re- it's been bad for twenty years now, and you know, and I don't know why. I don't think the NFL takes it seriously enough. But last night was bad. It was it was it was bad. But back to the game. Back to the game. The it gets down to the last part of the fourth quarter. The Rams have been on and off moving the ball here and there. Usually yes. dumb mistakes getting them shut down. A false start here. Right. Uh, sorry, not a false start, a holding here, a man downfield here, illegal hands to the face here, something getting them called back. Okay. A fumble from Cam Akers, which my right. gosh, uh, have we had enough of these already? And, <laughs> um, so you you look at all these little things, and all of a sudden they get a drive downfield. They put it in the end zone, right? My right. gosh, they got a touchdown here. And it was Cam Akers, by the way, who got the touchdown. So here we are. Cam gets a touchdown. There's they kick it back to the Raiders. The Raiders don't do anything with it in a sixty. What, 64, 67 yard punt? 64 yard punt. Pins the, pins the Rams on the two yard line. Baker Mayfield comes out, 
98 yards to go, no touchdowns. You say 20%. I'm thinking 5%, man. They, they're going to they're gonna catch Lenny in the bottle twice in the fourth quarter. Well, I, I no yeah, and, and my 20% comes from as I'm watching the game and I go, okay, and, and, and I know we're going to talk about this. I'm like, wait a minute. This guy comes in on the second series, third series, whatever it was, and literally is like, okay, showing like command of the offense to a degree, dropping dimes here. You know, getting them guys lined up, you know, just the fact that you can get under center and, you know, turn the right way for a handoff, just stuff like that. I'm going, okay, man, this is kind of weird. Like, why is a guy like Wolford looking, playing in the same offense, had a couple weeks to really elevate his game? And how come he doesn't? This guy gets off the plane and looks like, oh, maybe that's why Wolford's a backup. And so that's why I gave it 20% only in the sense of he's done it at other places. He has that moxie and he had start showing that he was making plays, you know, because the series two series before they go, you know, 17 plays, 75 yards, you know? So it's almost like that became like his practice game, if you will. So when he, and he just ran out there like, hey, guys, this is what I do. <laughs> but at that point, why not go out there? Like, no right. one's expecting you to do anything. So At all. I'm know, like, 98 like, yards. What are you yeah, doing? The, the quote he gave is perfect effort, you know? So yeah, yeah. He, the thing is, the thing I think that bothers me, and I've had this discussion numerous times, is, is Baker Mayfield was picked by the Browns number one overall for a reason. And we saw flashes of his potential throughout his tenure there. Did it always work? His last season there, he took all kinds of hot garbage, all kinds of hot garbage, his relationship with OBJ and so on and so forth. And people don't seem to remember that the guy played that nearly that entire season with a torn labrum in his left shoulder. And it's not his throwing shoulder. But a torn labrum in any shoulder is not going to work well if you're going to try and quarterback an NFL team. No, it's just man, not that's going painful. To. I mean, that it, you are, it, it's just like the dude played the whole year with it. So, no, you're not, going to get a, you're not going to get the muscle you can. You're not going to be confident in yourself. There's a whole lot of things going on, you know, that and, – and quite frankly, the Browns built that offense to run the football, not to yeah. throw first. Right. So – they blame, you know, the, the, the media, I think, put the blame on Mayfield, this, this, and this. You need to put some blame on your coaching staff, A. And B, you know, understand that this guy, going back to his Oklahoma days, we know his personality do, does great on people. I mean, the guy planted his right, Oklahoma right. flag in the middle of Ohio State Stadium and thought, okay, that's a good idea. I was there um, for an Indians game back when they were the Indians against the Angels. Sorry, the Tigers. I was the Tigers. And he shotgunned a beer from the press box in front of everybody. The place went nuts. So there's a certain wildness to him. You can call it immaturity if you want. But you kind of need that. You kind of need that edge to you to be a quarterback in the NFL. You kind of do. You know, and, and the Browns label, you need to have an adult in the room. 
I, that's real rich coming from the Browns. Right, right. When they went and get, got Deshaun Watson, who's been <laughs> accused by 45,000 women of imp- improprieties. <laughs> not 40,000. But, you know, yeah, <laughs> not 27. I know. It's, folks, no, I'm exaggerating, okay? But, yeah, anyway, yeah. but here's the thing, and I'll, I'll stop ranting here. You know, I'm not saying Mayfield's the answer, but something they talked about last night that made a lot of sense is Mayfield and McVeigh have had a relationship for a long time. They have. They met each other prior to the combine on a plane or wherever it was, and these guys just hit it off. So does it really surprise anybody the Rams claimed them? They like each other. They... They, I mean, let's be honest, they were making googly eyes at each other, you know? So, right. And then you have your quarterback, and you mentioned this when you and I were talking last night. You know, you have your Matt Stafford, who has a spinal contusion, avoiding surgery, but we're probably not going to see him the rest of the year. And would it surprise anybody if he said, you know what, let's retire? Would it surprise you? Not at all. Not at all. And I see that being a a high likelihood in the sense of, again, it's the spine, it's the other thing. But now you're talking about, you know, like big time injuries. It's not an ankle sprain. It's not a sore shoulder. It's it's kind of big time uh, injuries. So my thing is, yeah, man, his wife is going to look at him. We saw a husband and wife a la Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen end up not being together because it's like, yeah, man, you went back maybe against your word, but more importantly, hey, man, I don't want to see my husband, you know, slobbering somewhere down the year because you just want to keep playing football, taking punishment. So, you know, they have, what, four or five kids, I think, Stafford and his wife. Uh, and She's so, not spoken too, man. She's not mentioned words. No, but I, I would see it being, again, the elbow, the the spinal contusion. Again, those are different types of things. You start messing with the spine, man, now you're talking about paralysis. And see, so, yeah. And honestly, it's not, I mean, it doesn't need surgery. Yeah. That's what came out today. But my thought, Mike, is, is and tell me if you, if you disagree here. What I think the Rams are doing is, you know what? Because you don't one, you don't pay one point three million dollars for a quarterback for five games, just for five games. Especially if it benefits you to tank, which it does. It benefits right. the Rams to tank. They brought him in for a reason. They want to watch him. They want to see what they got with this guy. You know, if he if if he's salvageable. Because my in my view, you bring him back on a friendly deal next year. You get him learn the offense. You can give Matt Stafford one last ride. They retire, and here's your quarterback of the future. He'll be 28, 29 then. Mayfield will be. You, and in this league, you can go five, six, seven more years. Easy. As your quarterback. That's how I view it. And, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that's, that's got to be a, that's a thought. These guys get along so well. They wanted this to happen. That's what I think they were doing. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Remember, I'm the sideline body language expert. So what I see is I'm watching Walford over there pouting, 
holding the football. Yeah, Walford, you had your chance. You're going in the game just, I don't know, looking like you don't even belong in the NFL. But again, I think his neck was bothering different things. But they don't say, hey, man, the guy is really banged up and he's trying to play. They go, no, if they see you out there, hey, man, that dude, he's sorry. He can't play. So, But I look at the body language. And you can almost look at McVay. That dude was energized over there, you know, even when they were losing. He was like, and then when they had a chance, he was like, yeah, come on, guys. But just looking at them, the series after they scored on that 70-play uh, drive, 75-yard drive, and them talking and chatting and at the timeouts of talking and chatting, you know, it just looked different. You know, Stafford, is, he doesn't seem to be to be too much of a, like, super hyper talker guy. But Baker Mayfield and him, they seem to have that kinsmanship uh, of just being like, hey, you know, hey, man, let's, let's go play racquetball. Hey, let's go ride these bikes down the side of this mountain. You know, let's well, just he's go do something. He's yeah. charismatic, and he is a leader. And But, you know, one of the things, one of the knocks on Baker in Cleveland was – at least the belief was that he did not take feedback well. He did not put the work in to get better. Um, so I think the Rams are going to watch that real closely. But that, but then again, does it really jive with the fact that he got to L.A. in two days and digested as much of that playbook as he could and played like he did last night? That was You had to have some kind of preparation for that. So, again, the media, the media reporting on him in Cleveland does not jive with the reporting and what we saw on Baker Mayfield in his first game in LA. Yeah, there's no doubt. Again, I, I've, I've got mine in on Baker as well. And, but what I watched last night as I was watching the game from the first series, first I'm like, Oh, they're really going to put this guy in. Let me see what he's going to do. And then it's like, okay, man, he is dropping dimes. And so mm -hmm. That's kind of the first thing I'm looking at. That dude was putting balls on the money. And so I'm like, how are you doing that when they go, oh, you got to have all this time? And that's what I go back to. Yeah, man, if you play receiver, you should be able to throw an out. You should be able to throw the curl. You should, you know, you should be able to hit a guy on timing, even though you haven't practiced with him for six months. Uh, and that's kind of evident with the young man Russell Wilson in Denver. It's like, Russ, you've been playing quarterback. Why are you looking like you can't play quarterback? Because so, maybe he can't. Maybe he's done. <laughs> no, he's not done. I, I, I know shots fired though, right? But maybe he's yeah, done. Some shots. But yeah, I don't know. I, well, I think again, remember, he's now a number of years married. You know, his wife looks like she's starting to do more of her career stuff. So I don't know. You know, all those things can start to become uh, distractions or you just kind of, though you want to have that fire, might not have that fire like that. But I'm telling you from playing against some of the greats, what Baker Mayfield did, it's really unheard of, man. I go, they're putting this kid in the game. I go, and I told my boys when he first went, I go, this is a no-win situation. Why would they put this guy in there just to – you know, errant passes and get beat down. Then it's like, okay, man, he's kind of holding his own. Well, you know, you and I have talked about this game a bit. 
yeah. over the years. Uh, it was the Tampa Bay Rams game in 1992. Right. We talked about it. You played in that game. And that was that is a game I remember. That is a game that I remember so many of the details from because of the way the Rams came back, of the memorability of it. Another game is that Saints-Rams game in, in 1989 where Flipper broke the record. Right. Those were regular season games. And I can tell you that 20 years from now, I'm going to look back on this game despite the fact the Rams came in 3-9 and nine, and remember this game. I'm going to hold it in that same kind of reverent view because of the story that came with it. You know, I mean, you have our Super Bowl wins, and those are, of course, wonderful memories. They have their own place. But there are certain games your team plays, and you're like, you know what, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. And we'll, we'll talk about it. Like, just like I talk about that Rams-Bucks game. Just like I talk about that Rams-Saints game. Um, and those are the kind of things in a fan base you remember and you treasure, even in, you know, two out of three of those cases, the Rams were losing teams. So they gave us a memory last night. It was a, a memory that I, I, quite frankly, needed to have that was positive because this year has sucked. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's be blunt. This year has sucked. And, and the fact that we did get that last night was really kind of special. Oh, it's special. And when you look at it, uh, I saw a little bit of Sean McVay's uh, interview and how exciting and excited and the other guys exciting winning it really does cure a lot of things, even when you've been in this situation of losing a number of games. But when you look at the schedule down the stretch, DC, uh, four games left. What if the Rams win the four going away? Baker Mayfield just oh, dialing man. it up. <laughs> <laughs> look, you're going to have people getting in on film on, on Baker Mayfield. They're going to have um, people getting on film since they're players now. I think. I think that's that's asking a whole lot, but do I think they're going to go winless the rest of the way? No, they'll they'll get a couple more. I think they'll get a couple more. We're not looking at a team that will win eight games this year, but they might get six. They might, and I, I and you know what? Just I see positivity coming out of it now. We talked about this last week. You know the idea that you know you're you're getting these guys and you're preparing for next year now, and. Here we go. We got to talk about this, Mike. This is I'll transition right into it. You get a guy like Tutu Atwell, who we've called a bust. We call this guy a bust, and now we find out, we figure out, and of course, they kind of admits it that they've held him back. Like now, you're watching him get involved. Five catches for 50 yards last night. You see him become part of the offense. You're like, what the crap, man? You can't right. use this guy. Why right. weren't you using him? You're going out there and paying for. For Allen Robinson, which is just fine, you're making moves like that. But you got a guy in here you can use. Why aren't you using him? So it's things like that that drive me up a wall because you we've been on Atwell. We the fan base has been destroying this guy, and you realize, oh my gosh, he's got talent. The Rams just haven't been using. They've been giving him a chance, and now because half the roster's on IR, you got to give him a chance. And he's glowing. Right. What right. the crap? You know. So so DC ask. The body language expert, what he thinks. Okay, body language expert, what do you think? The hypest guy on the team right now is Van Jefferson. That guy after the thing, man, did you see Baker's my guy? So what happens is a guy literally connects with a guy like, all right, man, you trust me enough to go get this rock. And you can see them connecting already. 
<laughs> well, hey, don't so, forget though. Don't forget, Mike Van Jefferson and Baker Mayfield knew each other be, for before this. They've known each other for years, going back to college. He tried Baker tried to recruit Van to go to Oklahoma. They have known each other for years. So, what's this mean if Baker stays? What does this mean for Van's career? Hey, I'm seeing that guy. That dude was so excited, but he was mm-hmm. making plays as well. And we've talked about him a little yep. bit. Okay, is he kind of still injured or what's going on? How come, you know, and then you just watch his body language like, man, whatever. But but all I saw was all smiles, but you actually saw a guy because for a while I'm like, okay, can Van Jefferson, does he have a catching problem? That dude was catching everything last night. So, whatever it is, man, McVay in the quarterback, receiver and quarterbacks, you know, a couple of them dudes like, yeah, let this dude stay here with us. So, yeah, well, let's, let's be positive about this. I mean, just, just kind of roll the positivity out, yeah. you know, because we, we talked about this before. I believe that in the end, this 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 year with all the injuries, nobody, of course, no one's cheering for injuries. But the injuries could become a blessing in disguise because guys who didn't get a shot before can merge, can there you can, go. Can, can niche the role, can get experience, so on and so forth. And then you bring in a guy like Baker with Van, and you and I, we both have agreed on this. Van Jefferson is a guy who we believe could be a number one receiver in this league, but never was really emerging. One of the best route runners in his draft, right. you know, who had deceptive speed. Yes. And yet he was never really kind of finding his hole. Well, why? Because you had two quarterbacks, Goff and then and then Stafford, who already had their guys. Right. Guess who's right. Baker Mayfield's guy? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so all of a sudden, if if Van's back next year, it's because of Baker, probably. And that's well, fine by me. Think about it. Van Jefferson, in our opinion, I think we both agreed, was ready to go, and we thought he would be a guy this year, right? But then you sign a guy instead of going, well, we already got that guy here. So, again, I think that plays into some people's psyche. You got to have some tough mentality. Believe me, when I was with the Rams, even though I was an eighth-round pick, but once I made that squad rookie year, got to play with the greats, Nolan Cromwell, Johnny Johnson, uh, Jerry Gray, those guys showing me the ropes, Leroy Irvin. Oh, you guys draft a guy in the second round? Wait a minute. Nolan, Johnny, and Vince are here. I'm kind of their backup. Why are we drafting a guy in the second round? Oh, it's like that? Okay. And then you turn around the following year, Pat Terrell in the round too. Oh wow, they really don't want Stu here. So, <laughs> but for me, it was incentivizing. For some guys, it kind of goes, you know what? Let me get out of here, and you can kind of go. For me, it was like, okay, let's see what you guys got. Incentivizing again, everybody when you're on a team, a business, we know that some people get treated as the guy, the girl, the super person, whatever. But when you have a job to do, can you do your job? But I just love the fact you hit it on the head, DC. Some of these guys are now screaming. Look at him. Evgeny, okay, he's special team guy. What a he's game out there. last night. You know what I mean? They're playing yeah. receiver. But these guys were making plays. And you go, okay, that's in them. Where's this been? 
and you go, maybe they just didn't have an opportunity. No, and and for the record, that Raiders defense is not a slash defense. It, they, well, you know, again, you saw what they were doing. You know, mm-hmm. your defense is predicated by that pass rush. They were just getting home at will. And, and so, so it's not. It's not like uh, the Rams are playing a weak defense that Raiders. Oh, defense not at all. This year, not and at all. so really making plays here, making plays. Now, before we go, I did. We did get one question on Twitter early in the week, and of course, I got sick, so um, we didn't get to our episode on Tuesday. Um, the, the question was from our, from one of our listeners. He wanted to ask you about Jalen Ramsey. And basically the, the question is, is Jalen over the hill now? Is Jalen done? He's getting beat every week, so on and so forth. How do you feel about Jalen Ramsey right now? I will say me and my guru son, we've been going at it. Right now we're going, hey, we need to get some picks for Jalen Ramsey because it's like once he got that money, he just kind of out there doing all kinds of stuff. And you go, okay, Jalen, this is stuff a guy from, you know, no disrespect to Western Tennessee State, even if that's a school. But, Jalen, you're, you're supposed to be Pro Bowl caliber. You know, for a while they talked about, you know, hey, one of the greats to ever do it. But you're just out there doing a whole bunch of craziness. And so it's evident when he made a statement early in the week about, you know, I get mad when people try to say something about me, but I'm going to get mad if you mess with my D.C. I'm going to really get mad. Okay, Jalen, don't get mad. Go out there and play like you're supposed to. So we're not saying, what's the D coordinator doing? But to say it all in a nutshell, we need to go get some picks for Jalen because I don't know that once you get the money like that, if you can really turn that hunger back on, that's what seems like he's lost. I mean, he's out there competing and still doing a little showman stuff, but he, he's getting beat way too much, and it's like he doesn't know what he's doing. If you look at that last that last series that the Raiders fooled around on, you can see him and Taylor Rapp talking back and forth, and they rip off an eight-yard run, and it's like, Okay, we just giving up eight yards on it. And so I saw, I'm like, the Raiders, I don't know what they were doing. They should have easily picked up the first down, game over, but they fooled around and had to punt. But if you look at that series, uh, that play, VC, you'll see uh, in listeners that they're still having confusion in the back end. Still, you can't do that. I was going to bring that up still. like you, you should not be in this place now where you are giving up. Um or you're giving up this kind of plays, and it's the miscommunication right. between two of your you're supposed to be your big dogs back there, especially your corner. Uh, but you know, I don't really, I don't know that. I tend to think that over the course of time, we're going to see Ramsey move to safety. He's a solid tackler. I don't. I think maybe he's lost a step. And I think in I'm not saying he is by any means washed. He's not washed up in my view. But these receivers coming up are fast. They're better route runners. And I don't really see corners doing what Daryl Green did anymore. Daryl Green no. was dominant for 20 plus years. <laughs> Against these receivers coming up now, they're more athletic, they're faster. You got all the technology to help you yeah, with how yeah. too. I don't yeah. see corners. Doing what he and Dion did, stay on top of their game for six, seven, eight, nine years anymore. You're going to no. wear down, and that's kind of where I think he might be heading. And if that's the case, you're going to go to safety. And if he goes to safety, he's not going to get paid as much. So that's well, as well. 
Remember, I love that shout out to the man, Daryl Green. Yeah, that guy was locking people down. But again, his speed never diminished. He was uh, locking people down at 40, and he was probably the yeah. fastest person in the NFL at age 40. <laughs> yeah, still. That but, dude had genetics, man. Yeah, that dude had some real genetics. And you talk about closing speed. That was Daryl Green. And he loved to play the game. That was one of the one of my favorites. He doesn't get a, enough, uh, you know, notoriety or accolades that that, that guy could play, uh, and he would have been considered under undersized. But remember, you remember how dominant uh, Richard Sherman was for like four or five years, mm-hmm. and then he kind of started getting beat. Then he started holding, and then even what was it last year? He came out of retirement, and went play with Tampa. Uh, but it was like, yeah, Richard, you should have just stayed home. So, well, he went to San Francisco and he kind of revitalized, revitalized his career a little bit. But he really wasn't playing straight corner all the time. They used him a lot of different places. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, that's what I think we're seeing now with uh, Jalen Ramsey. So that's what I'm saying. Hey, man, go get some picks right now. We could use them and <laughs> just go out like that. And, and quite you know, frankly. I don't think they'll get the picks they want for him. You don't that's, think a, so? that's a big it's a big salary. You know, but you know what? Hey, we were wrong. When it comes to money things, we'll keep breaking down the contracts for you. So we've seen them do some wacky things and take on crazy amounts of dead cat money. Uh, one thing we've learned with the Rams is if he's not working, they'll trade you. They don't care who you are. Right. So, you know, all right. All right. So there's your answer there. Um on the on Jalen Ramsey and what a show. Nice, nice game from the Rams coming back last night. Great yes, to go the weekend with. And let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. Follow us on Twitter at DC Apollo. Follow Mike uh, one uh, one two twenty three. Follow the Rams talk at Talk Rams. And we're ready for our podcast next week. Right here. Have a great one. Well. Wow.